But last week, someone or some people, we don't really know, cut holes in a bunch of cages on a farm in Brant County. And in doing so, freed something like 500 minks to roam free through the wilderness. And I know that the first time I heard this, the image that sort of came to mind was some sort of scene from a Disney movie where all the animated animals are let free to enjoy life and go off and do their thing and have an adventure. Problem is, it's not a funny thing. It's not a giggly thing because big problems have now resulted across the board on every side of this. We're going to hear about that in just a second. But it's such a big problem now that there is a $100,000 reward out to find the people who did this. Joining me to talk about this, Gary Hazelwood is the Executive Director for the Fur Council of Canada. How are you this evening? I'm well. How are you? I, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Now, before we get to all the, the details of this one, cutting cages and letting animals free, I understand, is not a new tactic around here. We've seen this happen a number of places in Ontario. Yes, that's correct. It's, uh, it happened... Uh Last summer, there were uh, two or three uh, releases of, well, it wasn't summer, it was more spring than summer, releases of, uh, of uh, mink. So it's, um, it's not new, and, uh, and it's really not very good. And I understand, if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm not, that it's such a problem now that it's the farmers who have actually raised this, this reward money, this $100,000. Yes, well, uh, the... The uh, industry has come together and decided that there needs to be a little more effort uh, put into uh, finding these people and making them accountable. So uh, the feeling was that perhaps a, uh, a reward uh, uh, for the uh, arrest and conviction of, uh, of, of these people, because they're, they're criminals, they, it's um, um, trespass and it's mischief and it's probably, in this case, animal cruelty all rolled into one one uh, instance. Well, I, I know, I'll be honest with you, I know nothing about mink. I, I know what they look like, and that's about the extent of it. So where, if a mink is cut free from its cage, where is its natural habitat? Where would it naturally want to go to? Well, it doesn't have a, um, a natural place to go to because most of these animals have been raised in captivity for quite a number of generations, and they're they're uh, really uh, domesticated animals that uh, aren't particularly friendly. They, um, in, in this particular instance, the, uh, the uh, mothers which were released, or these were mothers with, uh, with nursing uh, young, uh, didn't really go very far because they, 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 they liked the adventure of getting out of their cage and looking around, but um, it would have been uh, not like them to leave their, their litters, so... Uh, most of them didn't. So what happens then? Well, in this case, the, this happened at night when it's relatively cold. And when the, uh, the mothers, the females, are away from their uh, litter, then there's an opportunity for them to become uh, cold. And uh, they also need to be nursing regularly, particularly uh, newborn um, kids. So uh, in this case, it put uh, a lot of stress on the... Uh, the litters because they're they're wondering why they're not warm and why they're not fed, and eventually put a lot of stress on the mothers once they realize that hey, where do, where is my litter? So do they just die? Uh, they can. Some of them can die, uh, and some of them will die uh, over time from uh, from exposure or uh, or pneumonia. So have most of these animals been found then again and rec- recaptured, or did most of them just get lost and they're gone? 
No, most of them are most of them are recaptured. There's a very small number that uh, that actually left, and um, and I'm not sure uh, whether whether uh, just because they left doesn't mean that they won't come back. They're used to being fed, and uh, they're not likely going to do really well in the uh, in the great outdoors. Well, let's deal with the difficult part about this, because obviously the people who are doing this believe that they are doing the animals a service, that they are releasing them from their ultimate fate, which is to be probably turned into, to be harvested. So what ha- first of all, what happens with mink? How, what, what is the process when the, when the mink get to a certain age or a certain size? What is the process that they, and we'll use the word harvested, I mean, killed and processed, but what, what is the process? Well, the process is that the the animals are uh, are euthanized and uh, and the the pelt is used is taken and, and uh, processed, uh, dried and, and uh, made available for uh, for sale, and the rest of the uh, the body goes into either composting or rendering or uh, parts of it can be used for uh, some of the oils can be used for uh, preservatives in for uh, leather products and. Uh, uh, so actually, the whole animal is used, and then, so there's probably some misconceptions about that. And um, the um, there's only one uh, crop, or there's only one uh, litter of of mink a year. So um, uh, the the process uh, starts in March when they're bred, and uh, and in April, uh, from around the 20th of April, the uh, young mink are are born. And then they, they're about the size of, um, uh, I don't know what size your little finger is, but little finger, and they're, they're, um, they have no hair on them, and they're, and they're blind. So they're, they're born at that stage, and then they grow rapidly uh, until, uh, uh, until the harvest time. When you say that they are euthanized, this is one of the things that always comes up for discussion. Uh, there's lots of different ways to euthanize an animal. That's a yep. that's a nice word. How are they actually euthanized? Is it something that is like we would imagine our puppy at the vet, or is it something a little more um, hardcore? I think it's something people would um, would understand uh, pretty well, and it's carbon monoxide gas. So it's uh, it's something that's very um, very lethal and. Um, uh, in, in this case, uh, doesn't cause a, a particular amount of stress to the animals, and uh, most people have heard of uh, of um, some misfortunate people who've had, you know, uh, encounters with carbon monoxide, and uh, so it's the same. It's the same. Uh, the gas. Do you understand the perspectives of the people who are? or person or people who are behind this or behind these kind of things, the, the, the folks who feel they're helping the animals, do you, do you get where they're coming from? Well, I, I think I, uh, well, I don't understand why they think the way they do, but it's an ideology, and uh, it's actually uh, echo uh, or eco-terrorism, because the intent is to uh, cause uh, economic hardship to, uh, to uh, the farmers, uh, it's certainly not in any way, shape, or form welfare-based, and um, uh, it's simply a matter of uh, um, this ideology in, a, in its extreme form uh, says that uh, man shouldn't use animals for anything. We happen to be an easy, uh, easier target, uh, but it, we're just we're just one of of many targets. 
the uh, the purist would say you shouldn't use animals for anything, and that includes uh, pets, companion animals, uh, anything. Well, no, and, and those would be the extreme, right? I mean, those yep. are the ones who are doing something like this. But just in general, the people who would say, you know what, I'm really, I'm not comfortable with the idea of raising these animals just to harvest their their fur or to, to have them in the, the, to deal with them the way they are. Can you, do you sympathize with those people? Can you understand, not the people who are cutting the cages and letting them free, but the people who just have a hard time with the concept in general? No, I mean... Uh, everybody has choices. Uh, you have choices, uh, you know, what you eat, what you wear, um, where you go, how you spend your money. Uh, mostly, we our society has been choice-based. And um, so I understand that people uh, should have the choice. And, and uh, I'm, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see any reason for people who didn't want to use the product for using it. I guess the, the problem is, uh, you know, at what point... Uh, um, do you get a situation where um, your individual choice is overridden by ide- mm. ideology? Where, where, and forgive me for asking this because I haven't shopped for a fur coat ever, uh, uh, is there a market in Canada still for mink coats or is it an overseas market? Uh, there's, still a, there's still a market in Canada, but uh, the overseas market uh, uh, is uh, is certainly... Uh, a driving force, as is, you know, overseas markets are driving forces for most everything that Canadians produce. And finally, what is a mink worth when they let 500 of these go? What's that worth? Um, well, it, uh, it depends because uh, at this point in time, um, their, uh, their coat has no particular value. But if the, uh, if the animal had... Uh, you know, or, uh, had been raised to maturity, or these adults uh, had a chance to uh, uh, grow a uh, fur coat, then uh, the, the cost or the price of, of purchasing uh, a skin could be anywhere from uh, 30 to 50 to 60 or 80 dollars a pelt. Uh, um, a couple of years ago, there was over 100 dollars uh, a skin. It is an interesting story, and it, and it uh, I'm you know hoping that. Uh you find out who who did this because I mean whether you for those who stand on one side or the other it's still uh, it is still legal to do it and, and you know that's uh, that allows the farmers to do what they want even if you disagree Gary Hazelwood the executive director of the Fur Council of Canada I really appreciate the time tonight thanks for doing this thank you.